We are so excited to have Dr. Kelly Roop with us on this episode to discuss hormones and the Dutch test. Dr. Roop is a licensed naturopathic doctor who works for Dutch as a clinical consultant. The Dutch test is the preferred test to identify hormonal imbalances. Tune in with us to this episode to learn more about the Dutch test and hear all of Dr. Roof's expert advice on hormonal acne, estrogen dominance, and detoxifying excess estrogen for your very best health. I'm Lisa Smith, once pharmaceutical rep, banker, and Marine, turned CEO of a wellness center designed to help you with personalized solutions to your most pressing health problems. And it wasn't that long ago that I was exhausted, overwhelmed, and overextended. Having a baby and a toddler at home, being newly diagnosed with Hashimoto's, and not having the strength or energy to do all the things I needed to do, that had me all about undone. What I found was that getting to the root causes of my health problems made all the difference in my health and in my life. Pretty Well is our place to talk all things health and beauty in the wellness space. It's where Ashley Bennett and I bring little known but completely doable missing pieces of your wellness puzzle that can be a complete game changer in your life. I come to you each week along with the beautiful, brilliant, and super fun Ashley Bennett to uncover holistic health and beauty topics centered around mind, body, and lipstick. Now, let's get started. Hi, welcome back to the Pretty Well Podcast. I'm Lisa Smith, and normally you hear, and I'm Ashley Bennett. But today, Ashley is not with us, sadly, but happy for, for Ash. Ashley is in Greece on a missions trip, so I can't wait till she gets back to tell us all about it. But on the flip side of that, I am so excited because I have the chance today to interview one of my favorite people, Dr. Kelly Roof from The Dutch Test. So welcome, Kelly. Thank you for joining today. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Oh, I'm so excited. Hey, Cal, can you tell us about yourself? Give us a little bit of, give us a little bit of insight into who you are. Yeah, definitely. So I am a naturopathic physician and Let's see, I went to undergrad at UCSD and I majored in biochemistry and cell biology. And I mentioned that because I really, I really like to nerd out on the science, on the research, um, on the details. You know, I love hormones. I know we're going to be talking about hormones today, mm -hmm. um, but I used to spend hours just laying on my floor in the living room, mapping out all of these different pathways and hormones and processes in the body to try to fit all the pieces together. So I am a naturopathic doctor. I love talking about hormones. I love talking about science. And yeah, that's pretty much me. That's why you and I get along so well. I'm the same way. I, <laughs> I would much rather pick up um, the cellular pathway and start taking a look at the biochemistry than a novel. So we're both a little bit weird that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's about right. Oh my um, gosh. 
Yeah, that's what I that's what I do. Sometimes Mm. on Friday nights, I nerd out. I do too. And then I'm just so energized after I do. I love it. And then I want to find somebody to tell (laughs) this is this is amazing. This could change your life. This is awesome. But so (laughs) that brings us to today. Today, we're going to talk about hormonal balance. And specifically, we're going to do a deep dive into estrogen dominance because it's so prevalent, Cal. And so let's just begin with your background first. Before we do all that and get into the details, what inspired you? I know you have a love for science and a love for the details of science and how those can be life-changing, but what else inspired you to become a naturopathic physician? Well, actually, honestly, it was my acne. Really? That was it. I had bad acne, let's see, when I was 12 years old, I started getting acne and it was bad. It was, it was cystic. It was painful. I saw a dermatologist about once a month, but I felt like, I felt like she didn't really understand what was going on in my body. Like it was the same thing. Every time she'd look at her clipboard, say, Oh, hi, Kelly, put a glove on, feel my face say, Oh, nothing's really changed. Let's try this birth control instead, or let's try this cream instead, or you know, let's do Duac, let's do, um, I did Retin-A, let's do, you know, I did all these different products and they never really seemed to help. And one day I was putting on my Duac cream and I decided to read the little pamphlet that came with it. Mm-hmm. And it said, you know, this product causes tumors in rats. Oh and <laughs> at that point I was like, what, oh why am goodness. I putting this, why am I putting this on my face? So <sighs> I really started to think about um, my responsibility when it came to my health. And I realized at that moment that my health, my acne wasn't my doctor's responsibility. It wasn't her problem. It was mine. And so I started to get into uh, herbal medicine. I started to try to understand the body more so that Mm -hmm. I could improve my acne. Wow. And so what did you, what did you find? What, what happened after you really started to, to delve into that and learn about some tools you could help yourself with. What what happened? Well, I started making my own homemade soap, which wow. I still do today. Do you really? <laughs> uh, yeah, my Ooh. cold process soap. It's lovely. And I started searching the web for just certificates I could get to learn about herbs. And that's when I came about the naturopathic physician type, uh, you know, schoolwork that I could do. And I had never heard of a naturopathic physician. I was like, well, what is this? <laughs> and so I kind of, you know, I researched it. I looked into it. I had an interview with, with the school I was interested in. And um, it just, it seemed like the right path. It was really interesting. I mean, I still looked into going more of the conventional route, becoming a medical doctor, what that would look like. I looked at the curriculum for both programs and the naturopathic one just just spoke to me. So I signed up, I moved up to Portland and I started seeing a naturopathic physician, of course, (laughs) to see if I could clear up my acne. And I said, you know what, I'll give give this one year to try to do it naturally. If it doesn't work, I'm going on Accutane because I had had it, I was 27 by that time. And I just, I was looking, you know, I was desperate. Yeah. And I saw I started seeing this naturopathic physician and every month my acne got better and better and better. And about 14 months into it, my acne was completely cleared up. Wow. After over 10 years? Over, yep. About 15 years almost. Oh my goodness. That is, isn't that, doesn't that give so much hope? <laughs> yeah. And guess what yeah. she did? What? 
she worked on detox. I wasn't detoxing. And that's what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> Is that what she did? Is that what was the game changer for you? Yep. Yeah, it was all about detox. She didn't even change my diet. I mean, I was eating pretty well, but mm -hmm. she didn't even change my diet. She said, I want you to be able to eat dairy. I want you to be able to eat chocolate. Let's just get you detoxing. I, okay, I love that. So we're going to pin this for a future podcast <laughs> that we're going to talk about <laughs> clearing skin via detox because today we really are going to talk about hormonal balancing, especially in the world of estrogen dominance. But I think that so many people could be helped and so many listeners would be excited to hear that so let's come, yeah let's come back to you that. know high high estrogen mm -hmm. can cause acne so just what we're talking about today could even improve someone's acne okay so let's all right so let's before before we jump into that i just want to know what brought you the the lab for dutch testing and dutch testing i can't wait to talk about what an amazing what amazing tool dutch testing is but the lab for that is precision analytical, and that's where you, that's where you are. What brought you to them? How did yeah, that come so I'm, about? I'm a clinical consultant for precision analytical. I've been here, let's see, a little over three years, mm -hmm. and I think it really was my biochemistry background and my love for research, my love for testing, my love for biochemical pathways. Mm -hmm. you know, precision analytical. They, we, we test hormone metabolites in the urine mm -hmm. and we're doing it. It's, it's a pretty comprehensive lab. Like we're looking at a bunch of different hormone metabolites in order to get a bigger picture of mm -hmm. what's going on in the body. Mm -hmm. So by joining Precision Analytical, I really get to embrace that inner nerd. <laughs> and I really get to talk about all of these different hormonal pathways every day with practitioners. I, and you and I have done that. So I know, and yep. you are so good and you're so good at helping people to see the roadmap. Once you have all those, all that information in front of you, you have all these metabolites and what's going on with them and you know how to improve detoxification through them. So I know working with you, I have absolutely loved it. So oh, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy. That's my goal. My goal is to just try to educate people and be really clear about it so that it sticks and people walk away feeling like, like, you know, empowered basically. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and know that their life can change for the better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, exactly. so what do you find to be now that we're going to get into estrogen dominance and that's something that's really I think people have heard of it, but maybe they're like, yeah, I've heard of it. I think I kind of have an idea what it is, but I'm not quite sure. So we're going to make that really clear. But let's start with symptoms. What do you find to be the most common symptoms of estrogen dominance? And then we're going to talk about what it actually is, because it isn't always like first blush what we think it is, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of symptoms that people get are you know, heavy bleeding, mm -hmm. cramping during their period or just before. Um, tender breasts, mm -hmm. mood swings, PMS, uh, acne, of mm -hmm. course, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, even headaches and weight gain. Some women get uh, kind of some swelling in their body. And with, with estrogen dominance, you can also see effects and associations with like endometriosis and fibroids. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people miss that piece of it, you know? The, the, mm -hmm. the role of estrogen dominance in something like fibroids or um, endometriosis. Yeah, even cancer. Like it can increase risk for endometrial cancer over time. And we know high estrogen over mm -hmm. time can 
actually increase risk for breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think a lot of people listening are like, oh my gosh, that's me. You know what I mean? When you think about those those signs and symptoms, a lot of us are led to believe that those are normal for mm-hmm. a cycling, you know, for when during our cycle, but they're they're not. And so to learn that it's not normal to be in pain and have heavy, heavy bleeding and some of those other symptoms, we're just told from the time we're teenagers that that's just the way it goes, but it, it doesn't have to be yeah. that way. It's so true. Or we're not even told anything. There's just no education about it. Like you think about sex ed, mm-hmm. they didn't go into this at all. It was just, how do you not get pregnant? Yeah, you're <laughs> right. You're right. So there's no information on what are the hormones, what's happening in your body when all this stuff is going yeah. on. Yep. Yeah. No one ever talked to me about it. And I had a really heavy bleeding. Like I would bleed through into the sheets. I'd oh. have to, I got really good at getting blood stains out. And no, like even my, my dermatologist never tested my testosterone, never tested my estrogen. Wow. And that ended up really being a root cause of what I think you had so. going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes sense. When I look back now with, mm-hmm. with the knowledge I have today. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't have you didn't have the advantage of the Dutch test, but we can kind of look back historically and look at your symptoms and then look at your, once you started detoxing, your yep. your awesome results. So that's pretty, yeah. So this is the one that can be confusing. And this is when I talk to clients, I say, you know, when we think of estrogen dominance, you might first think that like estrogen's through the roof, right? But it doesn't mm-hmm. always mean that. Sometimes someone can have estrogen dominance but their estrogen still in range. Tell us what happens in that case. Yeah, exactly. So estrogen dominance is more of a term that says we've got more estrogen around than progesterone. Mm-hmm. So okay. Estrogen's really proliferative. Like it, it likes to estrogen. Think about estrogen causing tissue proliferation, right? Mm-hmm. But progesterone kind of keeps estrogen in check. Mm-hmm. So even if estrogen is normal, if someone isn't ovulating or if they have a low progesterone, they don't have enough progesterone to keep that estrogen in check. So they can still have this proliferation and, you know, symptoms like uh, heavy bleeding and breast tenderness and acne. So estrogen dominance is more of a term where, where you're comparing estrogen and progesterone. And you can have, you can be estrogen dominance. If you have high estrogen, but you can also have estrogen dominance if you have like low progesterone compared to your normal estrogen. Which is really good to know because I think sometimes we, you know, we can get to thinking, um, well, I just need to bring my estrogen down, but that's not always the full picture. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes women have heavy bleeding and they, you know, they go online and they say, oh, DIM, I'm just going to take DIM or I3C. So they start taking DIM and I3C, but then their estrogen gets too low. Then they might have have other symptoms. That is so interesting. Yeah. So then, so in that case, Kel, they would have too low progesterone and too low estrogen, right? In that case, if they're looking to bring down the estrogen, but the dominance comes because the progesterone's too low, you know, it's then they're then they're now double whammy. They they don't have enough of either one then. Yeah. Yeah. It depends. Like sometimes if, if we, so dim, of course, dim can lower estrogen. And so if people take dim and they lower their estrogen too much, 
yeah, sometimes it affects their cycling. It affects their ability to ovulate. So it can affect their progesterone also. But the, yeah, the big takeaway is it's really good to know what estrogen levels are before we dive into all the different products we can use to support estrogen detox. Because some of them will lower estrogen levels. And sometimes we don't want to lower estrogen levels. We just want to uh, clear out estrogens more efficiently so they don't really get stuck in the body, if that makes sense. Yeah. So with you saying that, when they get stuck in the body, so what happens, you and I've talked about this before, but that when we think of kind of the bad estrogens in a sense, um, and I'm really simplifying this, but they can keep recycling. They don't necessarily get eliminated when we go to the bathroom. They, in the perfect world, they should when, when we're done with them, but they don't, right? So they recycle back through. Yep. It's possible for them if, if they're kind of getting stuck during different different parts of the detoxification process, they can recycle back and it can be really difficult for the body to just get rid of them, you know, into the toilet usually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So what, what I hear you saying really is that's why it makes it so important for us to know our body really well. And testing becomes an amazing tool for that rather than, because a lot of people will say, Oh, I have all these symptoms. And I've read that if I go on a dim product, and what DIM is, guys, for, 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 for our listeners, DIM is an active ingredient that comes from broccoli. And it, it, it has been shown to be very potent in helping to reduce some estrogen. And so if we're reducing that, but, but it's not necessarily the right thing for our body, then we can bring about new problems. Is that, is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay, so we're going to talk about more about detoxing in a minute, but I do want to just before we we leave this piece of estrogen dominance, tell us about the risk of breast cancer or even reproductive cancers with estrogen dominance. If if we don't address it, and I know that you and I have talked about this before, that through a woman's life and through her different phases of life, estrogen dominance can be there and it will persist, but it'll just bring about different symptoms depending on her stage of life, right? Mm -hmm. But then in addition to that, let's talk about that, that, that link to reproductive cancers. Yeah, so when it comes to like endometrial cancer, so uterine cancer, mm -hmm. if we don't have progesterone that's opposing the effects of estrogen in the uterus, mm -hmm. we can get overgrowth, like tissue overgrowth, and it can um, turn into cancer. And so you see this like with women with PCOS, for example, mm -hmm. they have a higher risk of uterine cancer because women with PCOS, they tend to go months and months without ovulating. Mm -hmm. So they go months and months without that, that progesterone that's supposed to balance estrogen. And so, um, yeah, with estrogen dominance, we can see, you know, increased risk for uterine cancer. And then the research says if a woman has high estrogen, like high endogenous, so, you know, her own body's making it Yeah. high estrogen that increases risk for breast cancer. And there's, there's a lot we can do, like a lot a woman can do to lower those risks. Sometimes like actually taking progesterone, mm. like supplementing with progesterone might mm -hmm. be the way to go for, for one woman. Um, for another woman, it might be 
regulating their blood sugars or mm-hmm. lowering their stress mm-hmm. or lowering inflammation in their body or detoxing better um, or even, you know, cutting out all these endocrine disrupting chemicals in our shampoos, our conditioners, our soaps, our nail polish, you know, <laughs> plastics, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, all of this stuff like can lead to higher estrogen levels. So there's, there's a lot we can do during our lifetime to decrease those risks for, for breast cancer and uterine cancer. I love that because you just gave some really amazing clinical pearls that people can just take away and start today. Things like improving sleep, reducing stress, balancing blood sugar. Those are some pretty direct things. And then getting rid of the obvious the obvious chemicals that are hormone disruptors. I spoke last night, uh, we're, we're in a college town, I spoke at our university, and someone had asked in the audience, um, are there any things that you would say, if, if I wanna clean up my environment right now, are there one or two things you would say, get rid of immediately? And I had to think for a second, and then I said, yes. I would say, get rid of air fresheners immediately. Oh my gosh, Yes. thank you for saying that. Immediately, those those wreak havoc on your body, your hormones, and your immune system. Get rid of fabric softener immediately. Get rid of synthetic candles immediately. Those are things I would say, just ditch them, throw them in the trash, don't give them away. You don't, just get rid of them. Those are the top three things. And there are so many more, but just in a, just in a like a quick overview, those things like get rid of them. Those are only causing you lots of problems. So those are some really key pieces. Even before someone would look at testing that can improve quality of life right away and improve detoxing because we're reducing the toxic load coming in, right? Exactly. Yeah, and a lot of those chemicals can be uh, they can act as xenoestrogens, so they can have estrogenic effects in the body. Yeah, talk about those because I think people see that and they read that and they're like, I don't know what the heck that means. Like, what's a xenoestrogen? Yeah, so a xenoestrogen is like something in the environment. So it's it's not like estrogen that's made from the body. Mm-hmm. It's something from the environment that can go into the body that can affect the estrogen receptors. Mm-hmm. So we know like the bisphenols, like BPA mm-hmm. can affect estrogen receptors. Um, some mycotoxins can actually act like estrogen in the body. And the, the really interesting thing is sometimes like when you test a woman's estrogen, it comes back normal, but she has all these symptoms and signs of high estrogen. And a lot of the, you know, the tests we're testing her own production of estrogen where they don't test the xenoestrogen oh my goodness that's good i was going to ask you that i don't i don't think i knew that that so we're not testing actually what's coming in from the outside well if it's bioidentical Mm -hmm. like let's say you had a partner who's using estrogen cream and then they give you a hug (laughs) and then you absorb it yeah you know it's it's going to pick that up so if you test estrogen in the blood or the urine it's going to pick up any endogenous or bioidentical estrogen Mm -hmm. but when it comes to these other xenoestrogens, these sources from the environment that are maybe more of a chemical or a mycotoxin or, or whatnot that, that act on estrogen receptors, but they don't look structurally identical to estradiol. Yeah. You know, we're just, we're not going to be able to measure those in the blood or the urine. Like they're not going to show up as estrogen. You, you can you can test different levels of chemicals in the body. You can test the actual chemical, but 
or the actual mycotoxin, but you, uh, you know, it won't show up as estrogen. Right, which means you've got to be a pretty good detective because I don't, yeah. I don't think a lot of people. So when you're talking about mycotoxins, we're talking about um, what molds produce, and I don't think a lot of us think about mycotoxins with hormonal imbalance. But it's really fascinating to see that you know certain mycotoxins can definitely mimic that in the body or or come in come in and park in those receptor sites that our estrogen is supposed to be in so exactly yeah yeah. that is super fascinating it is it really is and it it just leads to one more i mean again mold is another we could unpack that and on a whole other day but um but but definitely the environmental elements a lot of them are controllable because we're voluntarily buying those things so once you know that's the piece where knowledge is power people you know people can once they learn, you know, I for years I used fabric softeners and I thought, oh, aren't I doing such a good thing? <laughs> like, doesn't this all smell good? And then when you realize what it actually is, it goes from a pleasant smell to a noxious odor. Once you realize, once your brain recognizes that is, oh my gosh, that's, yep. that's harmful, it no longer is pleasant. You, you don't, like, when you smell it, you go, oh man, I wish that person knew because it's really bad for them, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So true. Yeah. Yeah. I love using Branch Basics for laundry detergent. You know, um, that's a great brand. Mm-hmm. It's a great brand, right? And then for like shampoos and conditioners and creams and lotions, Tubby Todd is great. Oh, I don't and know that one. Tubby Todd. Even Pipette. Yeah. Tubby Todd. They're a great company. Um, they have, if you ever have a kid with eczema, they're all over ointment is a blessing. It's like the only thing that works for my, my baby's eczema, but it's all natural. It's there really, so there are really good products out there. And I think that has really changed in the past decade. Like there used to not be any other options besides Tide and, um, you know, Dove soap, but, but now there's, there's a lot of options out there. I know it is. I, it is a good time for us as consumers because finally you used to have to, and you used to have to really hunt for things. And then, you know, you would pay an arm and a leg and you may or may not like how it worked. And so yeah. now it's just so much better. I will include in the show notes, um, links to these products because they're really, it's really great to know about them. So I'll check out Tubby Todd too. Thank you. Thank you for that. And I just wanted to tell a quick story before we move into detoxification. I have a client who was in recently and she's she's hitting menopause and is has been symptomatic. And we've talked about Dutch testing her. And she said, you know, the funny thing is my gynecologist just wanted to put me on estrogen. And I said, oh, estrogen and progesterone, right? And she's like, no, just estrogen. He, he wrote me a script for just estrogen. And honestly, I was horrified. Because I was like, oh my gosh, as you and I've talked, like estrogen unopposed. And first of all, not even knowing what's going on in her hormonal levels yet. And then um, and then to write estrogen unopposed, I just felt like, oh my gosh, why, why don't you know this? Why don't you know yeah. not to do that? Yeah, if she has a uterus, definitely needs progesterone to she, oppose all that estrogen. Yeah, uh, It's funny that you mentioned that because I was thinking about the other day. I said, you know what? In my lifetime with my work, if all I do is help women balance their estrogen, like like help postmenopausal women who are only taking estrogen realize that progesterone is also needed if they have a uterus, you know, to 
to help prevent that uterine cancer, yeah. then I'll feel pretty, I'll feel pretty good. Because <laughs> yeah, you will have changed so many <laughs> lives. You oh, because have... I see it all the time. I talk about it all the time. Do you I, see you know, it the all Dutch, the time? Yeah, Dutch, Dutch testing. I'll say, oh, I see they're taking estrogen. Do they have a uterus? Um, yeah, they have a uterus. Are they taking progesterone? No. <laughs> I, I just, that amazes me. I guess we don't know what we don't know, but once you know it, you can't believe that nobody knows it. <laughs> like, does that make sense? Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a huge, it's a huge deal. And when she said that, I tried not to overreact, honestly, because I didn't want to scare her or freak her out. But I was yeah. like, yeah, let's definitely look at some testing for you because she does have a uterus, you know, and yeah. she is symptomatic. And so, um, yeah. Yeah, but that was just a side note. It came up a few minutes ago in conversation, and it's just such an interesting thing. And and I want our listeners to know that you know if you do have a uterus and someone is telling you to 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 use estrogen supplementally, that we definitely you definitely need to be using progesterone as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So let's move on into detoxification because for you that was life changing, and for all of us in different for different reasons that can be life changing. Let's talk about it. It can be really confusing because it's not a straight it's not a straight path. It's not like oh I have you know I have an overload of toxins so I'm going to do this detox and then I'm going to be all healed up. <laughs> it's just yeah. not that straight, right? It can be confusing and there and the body itself has different phases of detox, which makes it really important how we go about detoxing. So what's your favorite way of explaining like the phases of detox so that it so that it makes sense? Yeah, yeah. So overall, I kind of like step back and look at the overall picture, like what does detox mean? And you know, our bodies are detoxing every single day. It's the way for the body to get rid of toxins, but also just to get rid of waste products. Mm-hmm. Like if you think about estrogen, for a cycling woman, mm-hmm. her estrogen levels fluctuate throughout the month. And when she's about to ovulate, her estrogen rises up, right, to support that ovulation. Mm-hmm. And so all that estrogen that's supporting ovulation eventually has to be cleared out of the body. Because if it just stuck around, then ovaries would keep producing estrogen. It would just build up in the body and we'd have (laughs) higher and higher and higher levels of estrogen every day. Uh, But luckily, our body's able to detox to get rid of the estrogen so that it can restart the cycle. And detoxification, you know, a lot of people, they'll say, oh, I'm on a detox diet or I'm doing a detox plan. And it's it's a way, like some people are doing it for their skin, to clear up their skin or some people are doing it for uh, inflammation or, or whatnot, but it's just, it's just a way of our, for our bodies to get rid of waste products, get rid of toxins. It's kind of like taking the trash out. We don't want the trash to build up in mm-hmm. our homes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we do have different phases that these toxins, these waste products can go through that, that allows the body to detox them mm-hmm. because a lot of times these toxins or these waste products, they're not really packaged correctly in the very beginning in order to be excreted from the body. Like they have to be packaged up first and then they can be shipped out. So we put our trash in a trash bag first mm-hmm. and then it makes it easier to take it out to the trash can, right? Mm-hmm. 
we can't, we don't just like <laughs> have a wrapper and then try to yeah. throw it 20 feet over to the trash bin. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. difficult. <laughs> we have a process. Yeah. So does the body. Exactly. Exactly. We're not putting our leftover Thai food out on the stoop <laughs> for, you know, yeah. and just going, oh, you know, it'll get out in the right place by itself eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be really messy. <laughs> that would be. That would be. And it'd also be messy in the body. So the body has, well, we have three phases. Mm-hmm. So phase one and phase two and phase three of detox. Mm-hmm. And yep. for the most part, phase one and phase two happen in the liver. And for the most part, phase three happens in like the urine and the stool. Okay. So let's talk about, let's take an example. Let's say I, you know, I had an, I went away for the weekend and had an overly toxic weekend. Say I, you know, I drank too much. I ate out a lot of junk food and I stayed in a place with lots of air fresheners. Let's just pretend like my toxic load has gone way up and my body just to simplify it wants to take those toxins. Let's just pretend they're like A, B, and C. What does it do from there? So I've taken some in through my digestive tract. I've taken some in through my lungs. Um, what do we do from there? What happens? So a lot of times, you know, those toxins will first go through phase one. Mm-hmm. And overall in phase one, we just take those toxins and we make them water soluble. Okay. So now those toxins are, you know, phase one metabolites. Mm-hmm. And phase one metabolites tend to be uh, a little reactive. Like they can cause damage in the body. They can cause oxidation, inflammation. And so we don't want phase one metabolites to stick around for too long. Okay. It's kind of like with alcohol in mm-hmm. a way when we metabolize alcohol, mm-hmm. if phase two isn't working well mm-hmm. and we have a bunch of these like reactive phase one alcohol metabolites floating around, mm-hmm. we're going to have worse hangovers. We're going to have worse, uh, worse symptoms, worse side effects. And so these really reactive kind of toxic phase one metabolites really do need to go through phase two mm-hmm. to become kind of like more stable, um, uh, more, more kind of protective in a way, you know, not reactive, yeah, not dangerous. So what I hear you saying is, is the toxins, our body changes those to become water soluble. But what that means is they become new compounds that could even be more toxic in some cases. So they become these oh, toxins yeah. that become even more toxic, but the body has a way of dealing with that. Yep. So they take these phase one toxic compounds and then they, it, the body puts some sort of group mm-hmm. onto the compound to make it more stable. Mm-hmm. And that's phase two. So you just add a group to it. Mm-hmm. And once they're stable and in phase two, then they're ready to circulate around in your blood and eventually make their way out into your urine or get put into your bile and, your, and then in your stool. So into the toilet. Yeah. So I hear you... Yeah, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, that that's phase three. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I said that, but that's phase three, the urine and the stool. You Okay, great. So if we're looking at the trash or looking at the toxin and it's in one form and we got to get it to a couple more forms to actually get it out to the garbage, to the curb, right? So it packages mm-hmm. it in one and it gets a little nastier in the first step. And then the second step, it adds a group that's that's methylation. What is one of those groups? There are others too, right? So that's when we talk about the importance of something like a methylation, but it's adding on another compound to a compound to make it safer. And then it packages it to get it out into the toilet, right? 
Yep. You're absolutely right. Yep. One of those compounds. So one of those things that they add to that reactive phase one metabolite is a methyl group. So we say we're methylating that phase one metabolite. And when you methylate it, you make it stable. You move it over to phase two and then it's ready. It's ready to go in the bile. It's ready to go in the stool, the urine. Awesome. Awesome. So phase three is actually getting it out. Like you said, into the stool and urine, it's taking it out to the curb. If we're looking at our trash example, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if we're looking at a different way, like, like a bathtub and it's, it's filled up with toxins and then we're changing it, but we have a clogged drain, the clogged drain would be phase three, right? It's not getting out as well. Is that right? Yep. Yep, exactly. So phase three, for example, let's say, so when you say clogged drain, sometimes that can look like constipation. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um, people, they're not pooping and their stool is just sitting in their intestines. And we know like if, if stool just sits there, mm -hmm. those toxins, or I should, I should say toxins and waste products, you know, those the things, the phase two metabolites that are that are now in the stool, mm -hmm. they're just gonna start getting reabsorbed back into the body. Isn't that crazy to think about? <laughs> yeah. You know, because we talked about recycling a little bit ago, and isn't that crazy to think that those toxins are gonna come back in if we don't get them out? Yeah, so now whenever I have, you know, whenever I feel that urge, I'm like, oh gosh, okay, let's, let's find a toilet. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't want these. I, you know, this is where I know too much about detox. So this is where my mind goes. I'm like, I need to eliminate these toxins. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want any of them back. No, thank you. Yeah. It's time to, no, don't, no give backs here. <laughs> I know. Well, you know what? So that, and I'm the same way too. Like I'm too old to be like, oh, I'll hold it. No, thank you. I don't mean old in sense. Like I can't hold it. I mean, I just no longer care enough. I'm like, look, I got to go to the bathroom. I'll be back. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Before I'd be like, oh yeah. Oh, I'll just wait till I get home. Now I'm like, oh, no, thanks sister. I'm out. I'm out. I'll be back. <laughs> but, right. but so, you know what though? That is... So that's so important because how many times have you heard someone say, my doctor said, if I go three times a week, I'm not constipated. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I followed a gastroenterologist around for a few months and, you know, I got to sit in on the patient visits and I remember him telling like over and over people, well, you know, normal bowel movements are anywhere from three times a day to I think he said like once a week or once every five days. Oh, but my gosh, it kind of blew me away. I was like, "Whoa, wait, wait, really?" It made me kind of question what I had learned. I said, "Oh, really? Is it you know every five days is normal?" Okay, <laughs> oh, and no. then you know over time I realized, "Oh no, 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 <laughs> we should be going no, every no. day." <laughs> You're like, where does that go if it's staying in there for five days? Do you, I yeah. Before I ever became a functional medicine practitioner, I shadowed a naturopath for several months. And I remember her saying over and over again to people who were constipated and who would say, oh, my physician said if I go, you know, every other day or every third day, that I'm fine. I'm totally normal. And she would always say, no, three trucks in, three trucks out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't you know if it goes in, it has to come out. That is just a natural law. And so I remember thinking that I say it all the time now, anyone listening who's been to me, 
um, some people will be nodding like, yeah, I've heard you say that because I just stole it from her because I'm like, amen, that makes a whole lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. It's true. Even my, my pelvic floor therapist said after every meal, just, just go sit on the toilet and just, oh. just see, you know, just try, just try to train your body. Like, okay, I ate. Now it's time to poop. Yeah. <laughs> time to get it out. It came in. We used it. Let's get out whatever's hanging out in there. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you and I have been talking in the past about when someone has poor gut health, which is really you know, similar, not the same as constipation, but really related, poor gut health and an imbalanced microbiome, how that can affect getting rid of, you know, estrogen dominance and getting rid of excess estrogens and even breast cancer risk. Um, Tell me more about that. Yeah. So, you know, like we were saying, if someone's constipated, the longer that stool just sits there, you know, those, those metabolites that are supposed to go into the toilet can be reabsorbed back into our body. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot we can do to just help keep our bowels moving every day. And a big one, big one is stress reduction, of course, Mm -hmm. because when we're stressed out, we're more in that fight or flight response. We're not in like the rest and digest and poop response. So sometimes just like that deep breathing can be helpful, but also getting really good fiber in the diet. Some people will take a little psyllium husk throughout the day to add to the fiber content. Um, You know, veggies can have a ton of fiber and even exercise, like things that are kind of, when you're moving your body, you're doing pelvic tilts or you're, you know, you're bending at the waistline or you're just getting movement in that area in the abdominal area where the intestines are, that really does help with having regularity with bowel movements. It really does. It really, I've, I'm glad you said that because I had, sometimes I don't really think about it, but I have had clients come back and after they've started more regular physical activity, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so much more regular. It just helps that peristalsis. Yeah, yeah. Everything tones up when we get more, when we get the right amount of physical activity for sure. It, it totally does. Mm-hmm. And there's even, so there's even something called beta-glucuronidase. Mm-hmm. So let me back up a little bit. So everyone's heard of the microbiome, right? Right. The microbiome is all the bacteria and fungi, you know, everything that's living in the intestines and the body. It's kind of like all the cells that are not self cells. <laughs> they're they're uh, bacteria that are living with us. Yeah. Um, but we have something called the estrobilome. Mm-hmm. And the estrobilome is a subset of the microbiome. The estrobilome just refers to all the bacteria that can affect estrogen in our body. And it turns out if we have dysbiosis or we have like an imbalance in this estrobilome, we might have an overgrowth of certain bacteria that make an enzyme called beta-glucuronidase. Mm-hmm. And the significance of that is beta-glucuronidase, what it does is it can increase the amount of those toxins and waste products that are being reabsorbed back into the body. Really? So how does does that happen? So basically in in phase two, Mm -hmm. remember we were talking about how these reactive phase one metabolites get some sort of group put on them Mm -hmm. to make them more stable. 
So one of those groups is glucuronic acid. Mm-hmm. And so then just imagine estrogen. You know, estrogen gets a glucuronic acid put on it. Mm-hmm. And then just imagine estrogen in the stool and it has a little glucuronic acid attached to it. Beta-glucuronidase is an enzyme. It comes over and finds it and it cleaves, you know, cuts off that glucuronic acid. So then you no longer have this nicely packaged phase two metabolite, you know, sitting in the stool. Uh, Now it's more in the free form and it can be reabsorbed way more easily back through the lumen, you know, into, into the body. Back into the bloodstream. So here's what I'm picturing. I'm picturing a kid carrying a big Christmas gift to his teacher, right? And so he's walking through the school hallway and the kid is the estrogen and the Christmas gift is the glucuronic, what is it? Glucuronic acid. acid. Okay. Uh So that's the gift, right? That's the package that the kid's hanging on to for dear life. And this bully comes along and that's the beta glucuronidase and just smacks that gift out of the kid's hand. And then the kid (laughs) goes running back somewhere else and then that's like getting back into the blood that's what i'm picturing as you're talking to me to try to picture like how that all happens so instead of the kid ever making it to the teacher the kid now goes running back and 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 doesn't get where he or she wanted to go exactly so we can pretend like the teacher is is the the outside the body or the toilet you know right right nothing against your teachers of course (laughs) we're not comparing Uh, you to the toilet but the end result yeah that's kind of what i'm picturing to simplify it and that's really fascinating so what you're saying is that when the the microbiome then is imbalanced then so when we have you know dysbiosis or or we don't have the right balance of good and bad bacteria good and bad bacteria in our gut that increases the bully in our body that knocks the gift out of the hand. And then yes. the estrogen comes back into the body when it was really supposed to go out of the body. Yes, exactly. And you can measure beta-glucuronidase in a stool. It's a, it has to be a stool test, but mm-hmm. you can measure the bully, see how much bully you have. <laughs> That's interesting. And then you can actually affect it by, by helping to support the good bacteria in your microbiome and bringing balance into your gut. Isn't exactly. that so cool? Because I always say, Um, I like to say when you come here, we work on healing from the gut up because all health starts in the gut. And that's Mm -hmm. a great example of that, even hormonal balance, how that is related to gut health. So, yeah. So let's talk about why the Dutch test is the preferred test for hormones. You know, so many clients will come into me and say, you know, I'm having all these symptoms. So my physician ran a blood test and they said, everything's normal, but I don't feel normal. And then I'm always like, yeah, because we got to Dutch test you. That's why, you know, if we really want to find out. But can you can you share like why? Yeah. Well, I don't. I think a lot of people don't know that Dutch stands for dried urine um, test for comprehensive hormones. And we have comprehensive in the name because it, it really is a comprehensive test. Like we're going to get more information than we would if we just went in and got a blood draw for our estrogen and mm-hmm. our progesterone and our testosterone. Mm-hmm. So we're measuring not only estrogen, but we're measuring three of those phase one metabolites and one of those phase two metabolites. So we're, we get a picture of how estrogen is being cleared out of the body. And with progesterone, you know, we're seeing progesterone, basically people take four 
urine samples throughout the day. So we're seeing progesterone overall over the course of, it's about 12 to 16 hours worth of data. Mm -hmm. Um, And we know that progesterone comes in pulses, like it can fluctuate throughout the day. And so um, with a blood draw, you just get that one, you know, you get your progesterone at that one point in time, but with the Dutch test, you get more of like an average or a, a kind of overall bigger picture of your progesterone during that day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're looking at the androgens and androgens are like male sex hormones, but women also have androgens like testosterone and DHA they are actually really important for women. Mm-hmm. And if they get too high, mm-hmm. they can cause estrogen to be high. So it's important to test them, but no, we, we're testing like eight different androgen metabolites. So it really helps us get a bigger picture of what's going on. I love that. I love that even for um, my PCOS clients, because those androgens often are elevated depending on the type of PCOS. um, And that can show a really clear picture about what's going on kind of under the hood there. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And then we also test cortisol. So we have a whole adrenal panel and we know that in women, whether they're cycling or not, the majority of their androgens are being made by their adrenal glands. So adrenal function, extremely important for sex hormones in women. Isn't that so helpful to see? Because so many times people will be like, I think I have adrenal fatigue, but I really don't know how to find that out. But this gives a really clear picture about what's going on with their adrenals. And you and I have talked before, if, if the cortisol profile, and you may have to correct me, it might be the cortisone, I know they're the two graphs, but if say in the in the morning it's elevated beyond... A normal range people can wake up with anxiety and so people i've had that i've really helped clients who wake up every morning and they're like oh my gosh it's like fight or flight the minute i open my eyes that mm-hmm. is physical that's you know that's not it's so helpful for people to hear that's not in your head that's by bi- that's biochemical we can help you with that mm-hmm. yeah yeah we can we can measure it some people you know we just get stuck in that pattern and that kind of sympathetic flight or flight pattern. So we go to bed being in that state all day and we wake up and, you know, our brain is smart. We're not Mm going to wake up and just completely reset. The brain keeps a memory of the perceived threats from the days prior. So you wake up and, and it's been a stressful week and you're already stressed out right when you wake up. (laughs) Yeah. That's the worst. It's terrible. That's the absolute worst. You're like, I'm not even rested. I feel like I was in a boxing match all night. That is the absolute worst. I I hate that. But yeah, Yeah. those are so, so from a Dutch test standpoint, um, who's the, who's the, the ideal client? Who's the ideal profile? If someone's struggling with, you know, X, Y, and Z, who would think, oh, this might be something I really want to consider? Oh, yeah, that's that's a really good question. I mean, so many people use the Dutch test. We have women testing. We have men testing. Um, some people just have fatigue. Mm-hmm. And we know fatigue can be related to the adrenals. It could be related to our sex hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, Women with any of these high estrogen symptoms, heavy bleeding or fibroids, acne, headaches, you know, difficulty losing weight, those can be helpful. But even symptoms of low hormones or low estrogen, like maybe women are having hot flashes or night sweats or they can't sleep mm. or they're noticing their their skin isn't like 
as elastic or, you know, as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they have low libido mm-hmm. or brain fog. So there's, there's so many different reasons why people will run a Dutch test because, you know, our hormones, our cortisol, if they're out of balance, uh, pretty much can result in almost any symptom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you've just described the majority of my practice, honestly, fatigue, yeah. you know, wondering what the heck is going on, fatigue, some um, brain fog and just knowing their hormones are out of balance and just not feeling like themselves. Yeah, for sure. So mm-hmm. it just has so many great applications. Yeah. And, and I love, um, before we wrap up, I love that you've given us some terrific takeaways, whether or not someone chooses to Dutch test, just things like prioritizing sleep and stress management and bringing blood sugars into balance, which is, is really simple. It's some really key, simple steps in the diet and making sure deep breathing is something you practice during the day and getting the right amount of fiber and exercise. Those are things that any of us can start today that even though we hear them over and over again, that we're like, yeah, yeah, we'll get to them. The key is that they're potent and they're effective and they make a big difference. So um, I love that people can take away stuff right now and just start to feel better. And then um, is there anything else before we wrap up um, that we've missed? Anything else to, to talk about, chat about? I would say, number one, you can't, you can't out-supplement a poor lifestyle. I love and- that. <laughs> I love yeah, that. I, I know I've tried to do it. <laughs> me too. Me too. Just band aid. Get me through. It's a busy season. Give me some more supplements. Yeah, me too. But it's true. Like when we really do prioritize sleep, when we really do make the time to do some deep breathing or to work with our job to maybe decrease our hours if possible or change something so it's not as, you know, you don't have as much of that job stress. Um, we do make time for exercise. Those, they, like you said, they're super potent. And that's really when people start to get a lot of the results. But yeah. there are a lot of other things we can do with supplements, of course. And, um, you know, I, th- I think in the future, we'll probably talk a little bit more about detox where we can dive in more on like the diet and the supplements that people tend to use to help with detox. But one other thing I wanted to say is, when we work with detox, we have to work backwards. Because if you think about it, let's say phase three is taking the trash can out to the curb for the truck to come and, and grab it, right? Yeah. If the trash can, if your trash bin is already full, mm-hmm. you can't you can't keep throwing trash bags in the in the, the bin. It's just gonna overflow, right? So we have to make sure that phase three is working well before we're supporting phase two and phase one. So we have to take that, the trash can, we have to make sure every week we remember to take, (laughs) which I forgot last week, but we take (laughs) take the trash bin out, you know, out to the curb and make sure it's eliminated into the trash truck or to the toilet. Um, It's it's important. Sometimes people will just rush into supporting phase one with DIM, like we said, but since the downstream isn't working well, since they're constipated, the DIM can actually cause more issues in their body because it, it might cause those phase one reactive metabolites to just stick around in the body and to back up because they can't they can't be eliminated in the stool. Oh, that is such a good point. So you just brought up two um, excellent points about supplements. One, you can't out supplement 
poor lifestyle choices or poor poor lifestyle habits. Um, and that is so true. But the second thing is um, to start to supplement, especially in a detox without having regularity and without having those, I like to think of them as like the channels being open, the detox channels, the drains being open. If the drains are at all clogged and you start a detox, you are now adding more toxins and they can be potent to your to your system, to your bloodstream, and you're going to feel awful. And they're, they're damaging, you know, they are damaging. So the key is to not just kind of see a detox and just decide, oh, I'm just going to do this without making sure one, it's the right one. And two, you've got really, you're really healthy and you're eliminating well. I, I'm so happy you brought that up. Yeah, I think it's a key, key point that's um, a good one. Good one to keep in mind. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, we could talk forever. So next podcast, we will. We'll, we'll talk more about detox and we'll get specific into diets and supplements and how people can start to look at that. But um, in the meantime, we do run Dutch tests at Integrative Wellness Center. So if you'd like to look, learn more, just check it out in the show notes. We'll have a link there. Kelly, I cannot wait to get together again with you and just talk about the next stage, the next the next things we're going to talk about. You yeah, have sure. been, you've been a delight. I am so thankful to, to talk with you today and that you joined, you joined in. Like, likewise, it's been so fun. It so sure has. thank you for inviting me on the show and I, I'm excited to be back. We can nerd out some more. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, <laughs> thanks. And until next time, stay pretty well. Bye.